We are in a series entitled I Promise. This is week number four of I Promise. Has this series been helping you out? Has it been a blessing to anyone in this room? Is that good? Great, great, great. Man, what's up with the front row? Wow. I mean, I'm kind of offended. Even some of my faithful, I won't put you out like that. Abu and Erica, so you say, <laughs> even some of my faithfuls are sitting in the back. Uh, but it's all good. Uh, hey, we're so happy you're here. Let's give it up for our first-time guest. <laughs> Praise God for you. Well, week four. Y'all ready? Let's get started. All right, so we all envision and dream about uh, the possibilities of life or the impossibilities, things that uh, seem a bit far-fetched. Um, but we desire uh, uh, certain things. We desire to accomplish certain things. We, we, we desire to have a quality of uh, certain relationships, um, whatever it be. We all have dreams and we have visions. No matter how old you are, you're, you're always going to aspire for something greater. At least I hope so. Um, how many of you actually believe that some of the things that seem a bit far-fetched, how many of you believe that those things can actually be a possibility for your life? It may be far-fetched right now. It may be a bit impossible at face value in the present, but you just, you believe that it can happen. You believe that it can come to pass. Um, they say that there are about 10 humanly impossible things to do physically. We'll get spiritual later. We'll get into the Bible in a minute, but physically impossible things to do. Lance, you have the, one of the best laughs, one of the best smiles I know, man. Um, but I'm only going to see if we can do three of them here. Uh, number one, who in the, uh, the congregation this morning can raise one eyebrow? Show of hands. All right. Is that right? Is that a good one? That's pretty good. How many people remember The Rock? Oh, yeah. He was the man, jabroni and people's elbow and all that good stuff. How many people are nose lickers? Nose lickers. Your tongue can touch your nose. Almost. Show of hands, nose lickers. Allison, come on up on stage, please. Let's give it up for Allison, everybody. <laughs> Let me be a gentleman. You're competent. Sorry. All right. Great. Thank you, Allison. Uh, how about elbow lickers? Don't be afraid. Can you lick your elbow? Who up here can lick? See, now you guys are getting scared. Allison, we want to see this. Can you lick your nose or your chin? Let's go for it. Let's root her on. Allison, woo! I'm going to help you off stage. That was quite embarrassing, but you did a great job. Thank you, Allison. Let's give it up for Allison. She is amazing. She's a mutant of sorts. Yeah, about 10 things humanly impossible. Now, clearly, she can do that. Um, those of you who can really lick your elbow, you got afraid because you knew you were coming up on stage. <laughs> I can't do it. She can do it. I can't. And uh, 
I believe that the same is with our lives. I think that uh, there's, there are these things that we dream about, that we, we contemplate, we, we plan, we envision, we shoot for, and we see others doing the exact things that we desire to do. We see others living the lives that we desire to live, or as it seems. Uh, with the advent of uh, social media, um, it's easy to compare your everyday life to someone else's highlight reel. So we oftentimes see, hey, smiles and cheese and it's all good, when really we know that it's not always all good. And so I believe that we develop this, uh, this mindset that they can have it, but we can't. She can have influence, but I can't. He can be a leader, but I can't. They can have that, that type of financial margin, but I can't. They can live in that type of neighborhood, but I can't. Um, and I just think we're oftentimes we're plagued by the power of impossibility. Um, impossibility has a power. We're going to talk about the perception of permanent limitation a bit later. The perception of permanent limitation later. And so, um, yeah, I, I just think we section it off. We label it. We put, we put our impossibilities in a box and we just kind of hide them in our closet, and we just mark it and say, that's not possible for my life, so I'm going to be content here. Contentment is a great thing, but complacency is never a thing that God has called a Christian to. Right. Contentment is good because that means that you're thankful with what, what you have. It means that you uh, praise God for what you have and for where you are, but complacency means that you've simply, you've just given up in that area, right. and God hasn't called you to give up. Yeah. He's never called you to give up. So, um, I just think that we're plagued by not being able to touch our noses with our tongues while uh, Allison certainly can. <laughs> this is my thing. God has no desire for you to succumb to impossibility. Right. We will contextualize this later for all my theology buffs. We're going to make it a bit more specific for you. But right now, I just want to talk to us as a general crowd. I think we all can relate. But God has no, no desire for you to succumb to the limitations of impossibility. And as a matter of fact, he says, I promise that you can do the impossible. I promise that you, yes, you, can do the utterly impractical. That's what the word impossible means, utterly impractical. You can write it down. You can, you can draw it out, you can look at it, and you can say, this is not possible. And God is saying, it is, in fact, possible. Right. Uh, this, sounds, this sounds new age. This sounds, this sounds like a self-help. Am I truly in a church? You're in a church. You can do the impossible. Yeah. 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 There we go. Don't y'all love that when I do that? Yeah. Amen. Cool. Welcome to Highlight Church, where no church faces are allowed. All real people here. Let's go to Matthew 14. We're going to open up the gospel according to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, he is an interesting character. Going to go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Let's do it. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross on the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. 
they had just fed about 20,000 people with uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. So they've been on a long ministry tour. It's time to get some rest. Go home to your wives and your children. I'll see you guys in a day or two, and we'll pick this thing back up. And so he leaves, and it says that uh, after sending them home, verse 23, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus often separated himself to get into the presence of God. We're not going to talk about that this morning. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Silence, wind, and waves. I love mention of your name. Verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. They say historically, fishermen, some fishermen would used to fish at nighttime. And so it wasn't a... Um, it wasn't an abnormal thing to think that there was a ghost out there simply because so many men had lost their lives in the Sea of Galilee. So it wouldn't be abnormal. Potentially, Peter had lost a brother. We, we don't know. Theologians debate that. But they would have thought it was a ghost. It was normal. So it says here, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. I really wish I could dive into that as I was studying, man. It's amazing. Uh, but we're going to go to verse 28. We're going to go, keep going. Verse 28, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord. Save me. I can't swim. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Wow. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. They exclaimed, God promises that you can do the impossible. And we're going to deal with doubt and what that means. We're going to deal with the context of faith in this in a few minutes. We're going we're gonna to work together. But I would like to pull out three truths about the promise that you can do the impossible. Um, Truth number one is this, or, or point number one is this. If you're going to do the impossible, you, you're going to have to face the impossible. You're going to have to face it. Verse 23 says this. says, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, and a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Um. Have you ever been in a place that you haven't chosen to be, but you find yourself there nonetheless? Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a circumstance of sorts. Um, you're just kind of going about life, or you were going out to achieve something that you had never achieved before, or something that no one in your family has never done or achieved before, and, and, and something happens. Something happens. An insurmountable circumstance. 
Um, the disciples are obeying God. They're obeying Jesus. And on their way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, on their way home, on their way home to get rest, to continue to do the impossible in their ministry, a storm happens. They're obeying God. They're going about life, and something occurs, a hurdle, a barrier becomes present. And uh, Jesus leaves them to pray. Jesus in the story represents two things. Follow me today. Follow me. Some of y'all looking at me funny. Y'all know how, to, y'all know how this goes. This, this only gets better as we, as we continue to go. Jesus in the story represents two things. He represents resource. And he represents network. He represents the money. He represents the things. He represents the people. And he represents the tools that enables you and I to excel in this life. Jesus leaves them as they're going about their everyday life. So they lack the resource and they lack the people. They lack the power. They lack the position. They lack the family. They lack the love. They lack the power of miracles. And an obstacle appears. A storm occurs. You ever felt that way? That you lack the money? You lack the people? You can have a PhD and lack the money. You can have a thousand friends on Facebook and lack the people. The president can be your best friend and can do any, can't do anything for you in your situation. They lack the resource, they lack the money, and they lack the people, and a storm hits. A storm hits, and it needs to hit. The circumstance needs to hit. The storm is essential for your life. The setback is essential. Jesus, being omniscient, he knows all things. He sends them on the Sea of Galilee knowing that a storm was going to hit. It's not his preferred route. He doesn't necessarily always agree with it. But in a fallen world where we deal with fallen people, yourself included, storms will hit. And they are essential. They are needed. And I think that we have to get past the why. Why is this happening? Why can I break this addiction? Why can I break this habit? Why can I get past this stinking thinking? Why? Why? Why Why does this have to happen to my life right now? And let me just say something. Maybe you're not in a storm. But please take notes. Because life goes like this. You're either in a storm, you've just left one, or you're about to enter one. And the cycle continues to reoccur. Right, yeah. right. So take a note tonight. Uh, sorry, tonight. It's dark here. This morning. <laughs> it needs to happen. The obstacle needs to come. And I don't think that we, we should continue to ask why or what or what is the reason. I think that we have to ask, how do I respond yeah, that's good. when the storm comes? What is my response When my heart is broken, what is my response when my money is looking funny? What is my response when I'm lonely? What is my response when that person let me down? Not why, but how do I respond? And so James, the brother of Jesus, tells us this in James 1, 2 2 through 3. He says this, dear brothers and sisters, 
When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I, I can't imagine the disciples are considering the storm great joy as we see that they're terrified. But having, being, being Jesus' brother, I'm sure Jesus laid a few, few golden nuggets on him like, look, whenever a storm comes, let me, let me give you the key to how you should respond to it the next time it comes. Take joy. Take joy. And he gives us a reason why. He says here, verse 3, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. We all, oh boy, I'm about to start preaching. I'm about to forget my notes. We all want growth, but we don't want to be stretched. We all want growth, but we don't want any trouble. We all want growth, but we don't want any challenge. Jesus knows that the storm is coming. It's essential because they have to grow. If they're going to be the very ones that take the baton of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ to the world, if this thing is going to last 2,016 years, 17 years plus, they have to go through a few storms. If you're going to be great at anything, if you're going to achieve the impossible in anything, you have to face the impossible in everything. There's a need for the storm. The storm is utterly essential, even though what you're going after is utterly impractical. It's essential. The great part about this is that Jesus knows where they are, and he won't leave them there out to dry. Jesus knows where you are. We dealt with this two weeks ago with the promise, I, will, I promise to meet you where you are. We dealt with this two weeks, dealt with this two weeks ago. He knows where they are, where they are. so it says here, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. What? This dude's bad. Forget Mike Jackson. Forget Mike. Like, Jesus. I'd have paid anything to go to one of his concerts. Like, Mike ain't did nothing that I can't do right now. Now, Mike was cool. You ought to YouTube Mike Smooth Criminal, the live concert. It was amazing. Just a, just a plug in there. So um, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And I want to tell you this. When you, when you turn to face the impossible, when you're, when you're going after that goal or whatever it is, when you're going after that thing that seems utterly impossible, when, when an obstacle hits, um, Jesus has promised that he is coming toward you out of his love and his desire for you to overcome. Jesus is coming towards the very thing that's hindering you. He's coming up the back to snuff it out. He's to, what they call it, he's going to shank it. He's coming on the backside. So whenever there's a hindrance, whenever there's a slowdown, whenever there's a barrier, whenever there's a mess up or a hiccup, whenever we learned last week that whenever you mess up, whenever you fail, you can either choose to fall backwards or to fall forward. Because when you fall forward, the grace of God is there to pick you up. So Jesus is on his way. If you are in the middle of a storm right now, Jesus may have not showed up quite yet. But this verse just tells us right here that he is faithful and he's on the way to rescue. Where do I get my logic from? Well, let's look at Romans 8. Let's, let's look at the scripture. I'm not just making things up. Romans 8 verse 35 says this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble, calamity, persecution, persecution? 
if we go hungry, if we're lonely, if we're in danger, or if we're threatened with death. Oh, that sounds like a storm. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37, no, despite all things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. You have the victory. You're positioned for victory. The book of Ephesians says that you have been positioned in heavenly places with Christ. So what's happening is, is that in your reality, the spiritual reality in your reality is taking time to actually uh, to, it's taking time to actually collide with one another, but you have to continue to face the impossible. You have to continue to grow in your faith. You have to continue to trust Jesus and become more like Jesus so that the blessings that are in heaven actually meet your life down here. So he's saying nothing in this life can separate you from the love of Christ. It's about growth in him. It's about pressing forward. You have victory. Verse 38 says this, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Here we go. Death, life, angels, demons, fears today, worries tomorrow. Not even powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, no power in Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Don't be distracted. It's the verse. What is this love? This is agape love. It's the noblest form of love. This is unconditional love. What God is saying is that no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, I'm not going to allow that to separate me from you. You can do the impossible because I've dedicated myself to being present in your life. I've dedicated myself to being present in your life. So what, what's the application? We have to face the impossible because what's beyond the impossible, the victory, the power, the promise is heading in our direction. This cannot be the impossible. And I turn it back to it. And I bow down to it. I have to turn toward the impossible. You cannot score unless you face your opponent. You cannot win unless you step on the field. You cannot pass unless you study, unless you show up for the test. You cannot have victory in your marriage unless you face the impossible issues. You cannot grow a church unless you face the insurmountable critics. You cannot, you cannot do the impossible unless you face the impossible. I'm going to keep going. You cannot get out of debt until you tithe. You cannot get out of debt until you budget. You cannot reach this generation until you love on them. You have to show up. You have to do the impossible. You have to face the impossible. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Sometimes you have no control over the storm. You have no control over what, what you're up against. So in those moments, you have to begin to face yourself. You need to take a mirror. Because sometimes it's not the storm. Sometimes it's not your spouse. Sometimes it's not your friends. Sometimes it's not your enemies. Sometimes it's not your boss. You have to, the impossible is you. 
You need to change your character. You need to repent of sin. You need to love on God. You need to let God love you. You need to let God process you. You need to let God give you visions. You need to let God give you dreams. You need to, you need to face yourself. Sometimes the impossible is you. Sometimes the impossible is your pride. Sometimes the impossible is not calling out for them when we know we need them. If you don't face the impossible, it will always be impossible. Point number two, I want to encourage you to step toward the impossible. Step toward it. It's utterly impractical. It makes no sense, but you, you got to step towards it. I can't do this. Yes, you can. Verse 27 through 29 says this, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. This word in the Greek means like put it, be bold. Just lay it all on the line. Take courage. Be, be bold. Step, step towards it. Whatever it is, lay it all on the line. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. So prove to me, Jesus, that this is actually possible. It's okay to pray in that way. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. I'm going to ask a different question here. Are there any utterly impractical things that you seek to accomplish that others have told you can't be done. Others have told you that can't be done. I love this story because Jesus is the only disciple willing enough to step out of the boat. I'm sorry, not Jesus, but Peter is the only disciple willing enough to step out of the boat. He's bypassed all logic when it comes to Christ. He's bypassed all the studying, all the reasoning, all, all, the, all the reasons as to why this is not possible. Because he understands that Jesus is ready to reveal himself in Peter's life in a different way. At the point in which I lay down my understanding and my logic, that's the point in which Jesus wants to show up and completely obliterate everything I understand about him. I haven't studied the Bible enough to know enough about Jesus. It's the word of God, but it's actually when I step toward the impossible when I see, is when I see Jesus actually start to be real in my life. I love this about Peter. He left the other disciples on the boat. You got to start leaving some of those others on their boats. You got to start leaving the others on their boats. I remember in 2012, God gave me the vision for this church. And uh, at the time, it was too good to be true. I, would, um, I worked at an outpatient cardi uh, cardiologist uh, office. And uh, on my lunch hour, I would go outside to my car, catch a, catch a nice breeze, and just start to write visions. Hundreds of people and thousands and seeing us serve and, and making a difference. And whatever that city was, I was in Orlando. I didn't know anything about 2016. We were 2012 at the time. I saw people with shirts, I saw leaders, I saw a worship team, I saw it. 
at the, at the time, I, I didn't, it didn't make sense. It seemed impossible. And just go ahead and go here this morning. You're looking at a guy who's never been to seminary. Don't plan on going anytime soon. Um, I love you, but if you need a pastor that went to seminary, there's the door. I chose to follow Jesus in a way that was going to be utterly impractical. And I chose to believe that he could do the impossible. So therefore, I stepped toward it by applying myself to the scripture. Countless hours of the day. I stepped toward it. I stepped toward it. Pastor, what does this have to do with the point? Like, what are you trying to get us to understand? I always have a setup. You know, I don't, I don't leave you out there to dry. I don't leave you hanging. And now to see that five years later, this thing is happening is a bit ridiculous. I'm going to share on our next point something that God is actually doing that's going to blow this church's mind. Um, and then he already plans to do something else in 2018. It's quite interesting. Something never done in the city before by a church. Um, Peter, what Peter is doing is scientifically impossible. Yeah. And the equation for density is mass over volume. Anything that is more dense than another substance will sink. So Peter is, in fact, he has more density than water. And what he's doing is impossible. But if you look at the verse, if you look at the verse, pull the verse back up for us, 27 through 29, it says here, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. What is point number two? Go back to point number two. Step towards the impossible. Peter walked on the water toward Jesus. Let's stop. Because we're always intrigued by him walking on the water. But the water is easy. The water isn't the impossible. The impossible is Jesus. The impo born of a virgin, lived 33 years, died a sinner's death on a cross, rose from the grave after three days, ascended into heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father. He's the impossible, not the water. He is the creator. He created it. Day one, let there be light. Let there be water. The, the impossible isn't the water. The impossible is Jesus. It's Jesus. I'm ministering for a second. We're going to get through this thing. So walking on the water may seem utterly impractical, but it's not. It's highly possible. And so Peter says this. He says, tell me to come. Lord, if it's really you, Jesus said, come. This is the thing. If you're going to step toward the impossible, <laughs> you need an instruction from the impossible. Jesus says, come. Come, Lord, I, I, that can't happen in three years. I'll never be, come. I can't accomplish that, come. Our marriage is in shambles, come. I'm a divorcee, there's no more hope, come. Our finance, come. 
I'm not a leader. Come. This addiction is to come, come, come. What is Jesus doing? He's coaching him in how to achieve the impossible. The impossible comes with an instruction. The instruction is come. Let's illustrate this. Let's read this in the scripture. Psalm 119, 4 through 7 says this. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. Watch this. Come. Oh, Lord, allow my actions to consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I step out and trust your word. Ah! We're going to get this. We're going to get this. Lord, I'm not serving you any justice right now because I cannot preach this the way you gave it to me. It's one of the most frustrating things as a preacher is to not be able to give it to you the way you received it. Here we go. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. Come. So what is the application here? If you would follow the instruction in your finances, in your health, in your calling, in your relationships, you would receive the enhancement, the improvement, the increase, and the impossible when you follow his instructions. And so what was Peter doing? Come. Trust me. Have faith. Be faithful. Serve. Repent. Budget. Pray, serve, come to church, trust me, love, love harder, forgive, apply for that job, go to school, study hard, write the vision, don't doubt, write the vision, don't doubt, pursue the vision, dream for your kids, believe in generational blessing, break generational curse, believe it all. I'm, I'm going to show up. You're going to do the impossible. And every time Peter steps out on the instruction of Jesus, there is a solid foundation given to him on the water. You got to step out. You got to believe. You got to step out. You got to believe. You have to step out. You have to believe. Every time he stepped out on the impossible, a foundation was given to him from the instruction that the word of God gave. Because God is not a man that he shall lie. So if Jesus says, come, you need to get your butt to stepping toward the impossible. It's about obeying and following and trusting. And when you do that, oh my goodness, be ready. Be ready for the blessing. Be ready. Let's give God a praise for that as we go on to our third point. I, I got notebooks that are five years old that are unraveling at the spine about the visions of this church and uh, write the vision. Then I share, God said, share the vision. We shared the vision with 16 people. The first seven or eight said no. And we talked last week how we could have considered that failure, but we felt forward and we asked a new eight and they said yes. 
Instead of, oh, my God, God didn't talk this church into our hearts. Yes, he did. You have to fall forward. Share the vision. We, we launched this church on a budget that most uh, researchers and church planners in today's uh, uh, church planting arena would say, no, you need to start a Bible study. And we said, no, we're going to plant this church. Because when God gives you an instruction, he plans to fulfill because he's faithful. Point number three <clears throat> is this. Be persuaded. You have to be persuaded that, the impos- that it is possible. Be persuaded that the impossible is possible. Matthew 14, 30 through 31. We okay out there? Yeah. All right. I'm trying to get home and see what God got to say so I can follow his instructions, as the old southern preacher would say. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? What started out good? but didn't finish well in your life. Maybe, maybe 2017, we're, we're almost four months in, and there was something about entering into this new year, man. Like, majority, I don't know about all y'all, but majority of people had a lot of good, just uh, something about it. It was just, yeah, I can't wait to start a brand new year. Like, this is awesome. We're four months in, and you're right back at 2016, just like, ah. Oh. Not again. Maybe it was 2017. Maybe uh, for you, a certain relationship started out well. Um, Maybe you were on a job and you thought it was the one, and two months later, it it wasn't the one again. I I don't know what what it is, but life hit, and life tends to leave wounds. And when life wounds us, it tends to produce the perception of permanent limitation in certain areas. And so Peter is, in fact, stepping toward the impossible. He's being a good father, a good disciple, a a great believer. Then the storm hits, and he sinks. He becomes more dense than his circumstance. When you're not walking by faith, you can tend to become more dense than the situation you're in, i.e., you can tend to drown in it. God has never intended that for any of our lives. So he becomes more dense, and he drowns, and we get the perception of permanent limitation, the the dusty boxes that I talked about over over here that we've labeled, this is not for me. This is not for me, and this is not for me, but obviously it's for them. Obviously it's for them. And like I said, maybe your life is good right now, but even as a pastor up here, there are some things that I can admit that I've labeled, this is impossible. But I want God to pull that out and to make it all possible again. And God says, I promise that you can do the impossible, but I never promised that it was going to be a smooth road. I never said that the winds and the waves wouldn't come and the thunder wouldn't roar. And so he asked Peter, as we close this out here in about five minutes, he says, you have so little faith, why did you doubt me? 
Why did you doubt me? Any big time doubters in the room? I'll be the first to raise my hand. Big time doubters? You got a lot of major doubter. All right, in the back. Big time doubters. Let me present this to you. Maybe the reason why you're not a big time doubter is because you haven't tried anything that requires the supernatural involvement of God. Or maybe you haven't been placed in a position that needed the supernatural move and provision of God. And I'm not going to judge based upon the hands that were or were not raised, but what I want to say is, is this. Doubt, if I can help us all, doubt is not a sign that you lack faith. Doubt is a sign of your humanity. <clears throat> so Jesus said, why did you doubt? The word in the Greek is, why did you waver? There are waves out here that he's looking at. And what he's saying is, why, why, why did you waver? Why are you going between me and the option that does not require my involvement in your life? I'm the reason why you're out here in this water in the first place. Why, why, why did you waver and why did you lack faith? The word here in the Greek is persuasion. And so what he's saying is, is that you have to be persuaded that the impossible is possible. You, there comes a point in your life, certain areas of your life, where you have to make a decision. And you have to stop wavering. And you have to press in. And you have to trust. Or like we said earlier, there will be a storm where you're going to waver and you're going to waver. And at that point, you're not called to trust in the result that you've drawn up. You're not called to trust in the desire that you have for the circumstance. He said, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Not, not the water, not, not focusing on the winds, but why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt the person of the impossible? And so we go ahead to say here, what areas of your life are you considering the route that does not require God's supernatural involvement in your life? What areas are you wavering? I know I'm speaking to somebody in here. I know I'm speaking to somebody in here. You're considering the route without God. You're considering taking it into your own hands. You're considering it. Or God has blessed you so much where you feel as though it's all good. It is all good. I'm a Teflon Don. A bullet cannot touch me. And at that very moment, in that very season, when that thing comes, when that storm comes, you're going to need to choose. Do I doubt God or am I persuaded by his goodness? It's easy to settle in. It's easy to be comfortable. It's easy not to grow. It's easy to stay put. But we got we to gotta become more like Peter. So here we go. <clears throat> um, for the past two or three weeks here, as a church, uh, we have been, I'm closing us out here soon. We have... Um, Easter's coming. To me, it's the, the most important holiday of, of, of the world. 
Um, for Paul said, if the resurrection is not true, then we that believe, we believe in vain. And we are most pitied of all humanity. I mean, like, if we're in church this morning, like, go and have a barbecue. This is a waste of time. If Jesus really didn't rise from the grave is what he was saying. Go have some fun. Um, so Easter's coming, and we, we want to do something that makes Jesus famous, right? It, it's, well, how can you make him famous? What kind of stuff are you talking about? Well, getting the name of Jesus out in a, in a very aggressive, tangible way. And so what we've sought to do as a church is we have sought to do something extremely fun, something that uh, has been told by us it can't be done. And uh, churches have tried this in the past. Now, I don't know what kind of pool y'all have, what kind of networks y'all have, but you better put in a good word for what it is we're trying to do. Don't undermine this vision. God's going to do it. He said that uh, they, they've told us church, churches have not done this. Um, they've tried over the years. This just doesn't happen in this area. And uh, why don't you guys have an Easter egg hunt? Be like everyone else. Be like everyone else. Be easy. Stay on the boat. And uh, I had a very close highlighter, a, high, a highlighter that I see all the time, a highlighter that I am closely related to, um, Ask me, said, babe, um, I'm sorry. It it was my wife. It wasn't another female highlighter. Um, She said, do do you think we're in over our heads on this one? I said, "Uh, do you know who you're talking to? Do you, do you, (laughs) babe, we're married. We, you know, we've been dreaming for a long time. We're all about the impossible. Do you understand I said, babe, until the devil utterly decapitates the promise, the power, and the presence of God from our lives, we're never in over our heads on anything that he's called us to do. You're never in over your head. And so about a week ago, we got a phone call that this thing that we're attempting to do can actually happen. You know, you got to look for the loopholes. Politicians can do it. The church can do it. Don't get in trouble, pastor. If you get in trouble, we're not a part of this thing anymore. No, no, you got to look for the loopholes. And so it's highly likely that this thing is going to happen. Child's going to talk about it more in the hosting segment. My point is this, is we were told no. We were told that it does not happen. We were told that we should stay in the boat. And in about two days, on Tuesday at 10 a.m., please be praying for this breakthrough. I think Highlight Church is going to make history in the city of Gaithersburg for Easter. And what I will, let's clap it up. And what I will tell you is if you have any children, any teenagers, if you like fun, Please come out to this event, serve, attend, help us prepare for this event. And I'm going to give you kind of what God, God does funny things to let you know he's still in the equation. So one of the entities we reached out to was another entity, a larger entity. And they actually want, because we don't have enough time, they want to talk about the event for next year. So we're going to do it with a smaller entity, maybe this first time, we'll figure it out Tuesday. This larger entity that is known all across the county wants to do it next year. 
So it sounds as though God is building up momentum for next year simply because we want to make his son's name famous in a way that other churches just may not want to make his name famous. Nothing against other churches. I'm just saying I didn't move a thousand miles away from home to stay on the boat. I believe in the impossible for your life, for my life, and for this church. And we have no reason to doubt. There are some things that you are dreaming of. There are some things you're praying about. There are some things you're fighting for. You have to be persuaded that these things are actually yours in the name of Jesus. Let's give this word a hand clap and let's pray it out. Father, we love you and we give you all the glory, all the praise. Jesus, um, I pray for every soul in this room. Lord, I pray that this word has penetrated our hearts. I pray that the seeds have been sown. And I pray that, Lord, they would take root so that in time they would bear fruit. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to face the impossible situations in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith to step toward the impossible. God, I pray that you would also give us the strength to be persuaded by your goodness, by your love, by the fact that you are on the way with the deliverance, that you are on the way with the provision, that you are on the way with the breakthrough. So God, thank you for the promise that we can do the impossible, but it's only through you, the impossible, that we can do the impossible. Jesus, we love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a great Sunday.